let's start with a word of prayer and then we can um we can get into it so dear lord heavenly father thank you again that you've allowed us to come and um open your word again i just pray that as we go through the next chapter of john john chapter 14 that we can again um get your word i pray that you give us your holy spirit to um open it up and to teach us um and so we can get out of this something practical something useful for our spiritual journey with you in jesus name i pray amen all right so um john chapter 14 um does anyone who was here last week um know what we discussed last week We discussed the Last Supper. We did. We did. Um, and with the foot washing, right? Yeah, the communion service. Communion service, cool, cool, cool. So um, I'm going to give you guys a little fun fact. Um, and I found this out last week. And but so bear with me because this is my fun fact in Sabbath school as well. So, um, but it's relevant. So that's why I'm giving another fun fact now. The same fun fact is that in um, the 1200s, a guy called um, a guy called what was his name? Stephen Langton, who was the um, Archbishop of Canterbury, I believe, and he is the person who put in the chapters and the verses in our current Bible. So before he came along and did that, it was a bit like when you're trying to find a passage, it was like, well, I mean, it's in Exodus somewhere, um, probably near the start of Exodus on this particular scroll, but there was no verse and chapter like we can refer to today. So it would have taken a lot more searching to find something. So um, definitely he did, he helped us out a lot in terms of putting in some verses and chapters However, what we're reading now, um, really the next maybe from 13 to even up to maybe 17, we could read as one chapter because it's all one continuous um, story arc. And so um, literally from verse 38 of the last chapter, it goes straight in. Um, it's the same story, same evening. So it's the same disciples that are there, same um, Passover night, all the rest of it so um so we're not losing anything from last week in fact we're just this is almost like a part two next week will be like a part three the week after will be like a part four um all the way up to really chapter 16 really chapter 17 um so this is all one kind of thing so um so yeah john chapter 14 we're going to do a little recap so we as i said we can trickle through but what's interesting is Jesus, um, according to scholars, um, say that he has four um, speeches in the Gospels, four um, almost sermons in the Gospels, right? So one, it, can anyone tell me um, any of them? The Beatitudes. 
Cool. So the Beatitudes is one, which is um, part of the Sermon on the Mount. So that's Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Um, so that's his first one. Um, so Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is his first one. Anyone know another one? The, the, the next two are quite a bit more difficult to know. Um, but I, I wonder if you guys know. I mean, Jesus has a lot of speeches in the Bible, in the Gospels, um, you know, when he's talking about parables and so on and so forth. So um, don't feel bad if you if you don't think for any guesses. No? Okay. All right. So the second one is found in Matthew 13, and it's where Jesus is describing the um, what the kingdom of heaven is like and you'll see um, parables of like the mustard seed um, and um, parables such that describe what the kingdom of heaven is like so uh, a man is in the field and he finds a treasure chest that speech so that's the second um, sermon or epilogue or speech that, that Jesus does so we've got the sermon on the mount that one anyone know the third one I'll give you a clue, Matthew 24. Also Luke 21 and Mark 13. The whole signs of the times thing. Cool, signs of the times, right? So this is what's gonna happen in the end of the world, right? That was his third um, one. And his fourth one is what we're reading now. And it's the longest of all of them. Um, and you can tell about all of the red text over the next few chapters. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see um, why John takes so much time um, dealing with just this one night where he's talking to the disciples. None of the other Gospels go into this much detail. We'll talk about um, what he says after the communion experience, really. Um, just John deals with this So um, as we're going through. So John chapter 14. Um, Sasha, go ahead. Yeah, very quickly. I'm really glad you mentioned about what you were saying at the beginning um, about the Archbishop of Canterbury, about the scriptures and stuff like that. Yeah. Because it made sense to me now. Do you know when, obviously, Jesus talks to Peter and says how um, when the cock crow thrice, then you would have denied me, stuff like that. Yeah. It always kind of ended, like, <laughs> not bad. It just, it was a, it was an end. But when you see the next verse and says let not your heart be troubled it's almost like he's still speaking to him he says that and it's like don't, but don't worry because i've got you kind of thing exactly that's exactly where we're going right now right exactly where we're going so spot on so um so yes that's you just said it but we can read it so if we read from verse 36 um to 38 and then we'll go into um, verse 1 of chapter 14 Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Cool. So we discussed this last week, right? And obviously we said Peter doesn't know what he's talking about because Peter is not going, 
where Jesus is going. Um, so much so that we said, Jesus said, look, just to let you know, understand your lane, the cock is going to crow three times um, in the morning. The morning is coming. And before that happens, you're going to deny me three times, right? You're going to deny me three times before the morning hits. Uh, and it's nighttime now. So we've only got a few hours left. <laughs> and you're going to deny me in this time. Um, and so what do you think is going through Peter's head at this point? Could be a few things. Um, so maybe like, oh Jesus, like you don't rate me. Cool. Denial. I'm just thinking the same thing that Matt said, just in terms of like Peter, he was coming with all the vim, and so for Jesus to flip that on his head, you know, personally, guys, come on. Would we all, if Jesus has literally made this prediction, would we all not be like thinking about, oh, I'm just going to watch myself so that it doesn't happen, so that it doesn't come true? Exactly, right? And so I think Peter is pretty conflicted. Um, I think in one, one mind, he's like, Jesus knows everything, and everything he's told me before has come true. So, and I think he's the son of God. So, I mean, if he's saying this, yeah, it's probably right, but at the same time, I know I'm not, I know within myself I'm not going to do that. So he's probably a bit, he's a bit conflicted, he's a bit worried. This whole thing started because Jesus said what? Why did Peter pipe up in the first place? Because Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow me. Cool. So Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus is leaving. And so what Peter says is almost a worry. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't go. Like, what are we going to do without you kind of thing? And whenever we see a um, disciple pipe up or we see a couple of disciples pipe up throughout the story, um, Peter now, we see Thomas in a bit, we see Philip further on. Um, it's almost like they, they're the spokesman for the rest of the group. It's almost like everyone else is kind of thinking what they're thinking, but they didn't have, you know, they weren't brave enough to, to say it. It's almost like, oh, I'm just going to keep my reservations for myself. But Peter, he, you know, we know Peter doesn't have much reservations at this point. So Peter's like, no, 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 no I'm not having it. Right? But <laughs> Jesus is like, no, no, you are having it. Um, and so Peter's probably quite confused. He's quite probably a bit sad, to be honest, that this is either how Jesus sees him or this is what is about to happen. Um, and as Sashia says, we continue straight into verse um, one of chapter 14 in the same dialogue, right? So um, go ahead, verse one of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I would have told you. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. Cool. All right. So Jesus doesn't even let Peter respond. Right? Jesus says, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Um, 
But then he straight away says, but don't let your heart be troubled. He's like, don't worry. Like, I know this is coming. In fact, I know all of you are going to run away. But don't let your heart be troubled. And then what is the reason why he says, don't let your heart be troubled? I go to prepare a place for you. So I'm coming, you know, I'm, I'm the advanced team. I'm going to scout it out to make sure that it's, it's good for you guys to come to where I am. So it's only temporary. It's only temporary, right? But uh, so, so why is that? Um, I mean, first he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. What is he talking about? I think he's saying exactly what it is on the packet. You know, the things that Jesus has said, it's, it's reasonable for the disciples to think it's a little bit ludicrous because they've seen Jesus, they've seen his power, they've seen, they've just experienced him. And so, you know, maybe now is the point where they're feeling a little bit shaky and Jesus is just reminding them who he is. For sure. What does his, what does that statement suggest that Jesus knows about their, what, what, you know, they're worrying right now that he's going to leave them? So him saying, believe in God, believe also in me, what does that suggest the disciples, their problem is? Would it be that they still see him a little bit as a ruler on earth, you know, another human, almost, even though he's like connected and doing all these miracles, they sometimes forget that he's still God? Exactly. Spot on, right? So, you know, they think about this, right? What do we think about when we think of God the Father? Like creator of earth and Creator of earth and heaven, right? What else? All powerful, all knowing. All powerful, all knowing, Nathan. Um, the judge. The judge. Justice. Justice. But okay, let's less about maybe his character, more about if you pictured him in your mind, what would it look like? An old man. An old man, okay. It's like he's old man. 10 foot tall or even obviously larger than that. Yeah, man. Tall, big, right, Tyler? I was going to say, when I think of God, I don't actually have like a figure because he's like omnipresent. I just, mm. it's kind of hard to explain, but I think I know what you're saying. That as God, I just, I don't really have a face to it. But with Jesus, you kind of have a face based on the features described. And obviously all the Agreed. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. Right, Daniel? I was just going to say, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, I think when I try to picture God, I have more of a feeling about it than anything else. Like I feel peaceful within myself, like no matter what's going on, mm. what's been happening, what's done happened, what's going to happen, it's irrelevant. You get me? Mm. Cool, cool. All right. So yeah, great answers, right? So when I imagine God, I'm thinking like lights, bright lights. I'm thinking like angels singing constantly. I'm thinking like throne room. I'm thinking, um, as like Tyler is kind of saying, like Daniel is kind of saying as well, I'm not really picturing a being as such, maybe just feet, I'm not sure, but, um, but I'm not really a being as such, but like just 
just light. Just everything is too, like too bright to see almost. Um, and I kind of get the imagery that we see in Ezekiel when we see like, like when it's talking about the angels with wheels and eyes and all the rest of it. Um, and then there's like a firmament and above the firmament, like there's this, there's this, like there's jewels and this, this um, throne and all the rest of it. This is, that's the kind of picture you have when you think of, it's, it's basically, it's unapproachable. You would, we would agree. Father God is unapproachable in that sense. When, yeah. Yeah, Nathan, go ahead. No, you, I'm just saying that you're right. Yeah, um, unapproachable, yeah. right? Yeah. Thing that um you know god is every it's kind of like all the um the good things about god um and then obviously if we're thinking of god as like a physical person you know sometimes we do have that image of our head as god as this unapproachable untouchable um judge that is just too good for this world but yeah for sure, right? And to be honest, uh, Sasha, before I go, go ahead. Do you have anything? No? Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. The, so, so when we, even when we look at the Bible, the Bible kind of does this as well. Like, even like Moses, right? The person who we probably see the, the, one of the closest relationships to God in the Bible, right? He could only really see God's back, like in passing, and he was in the cleft of the rock. So it wasn't even like he could fully see the the glory. You know, only one person every year could go into the most holy place. You know, um, whenever we see things of God, it's like the fire by day, it's a cloud by night. It's um, it's it. You know, even Ezekiel, it's 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 in weird symbols and things. It's it's never like you, someone kind of went into the throne and saw God face to face. It's not like that because as he said, it's like, he's too good. It's too much, right? We're sinful, we couldn't handle it, yeah? And so that's God the Father, right? So when God, so when Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me, right? We're gonna to start to unpack exactly what Jesus is um, talking about um, as we go through, right? And then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So why would that be a why would that be a comforting thing? I mean, I guess it just implies that even though the place is already ready, there's still things God can do to make it better for us. Okay, okay. What else? I think because here it's very personal, like I'm going to prepare a place for you mm. and speaking to them all directly. 100% very personal right and so if God is preparing a place right I'm thinking the, the place is going to be pretty good you know what I'm saying um but also what this tells me I mean we always think of this as like the mansions in heaven he's going to prepare a place for us in that sense but also 
I mean, Jesus leaving, the immediate effect of Jesus leaving is him dying on the cross. And so even that action is preparing a place for us and his disciples in the sense that in that action, we get to we get to experience heaven. Um, and so as Imhotep said, it's very personal. If Jesus himself is going to prepare a place, we better believe it's gonna be amazing. Um, he's the one who created the world as John articulated early in, the, um, in his book. And so if Jesus is preparing a place, I better believe I wanna go, right? So this should calm their nerves a bit. Believe in God, believe also in me. That thing that you think God is, the, the all-powerful, mighty person God is, like, believe also in me that I'm capable of that, right? But also, I'm going to prepare that place for you so we can be together again because I'm leaving. So all of this is because they feel like they're feeling that Jesus is, is out of their grasp. He's now leaving. They've had three and a half years with him. They've given up their lives. This is it now. This is like, we're following you. And now it's like, oh, I'm leaving. And now it's all over. What do you mean? Like, I thought we were going to conquer Israel. I thought we were going to conquer the world. I thought we were going to beat the Romans. I thought all of this was going to happen. Um, and now you're leaving. Two twos, you said you're going to die. Two twos, you said someone's, one of us have betrayed you. What? And all of this is now, um, is depressing them. And so he's saying, let not your heart be troubled. All right, let's continue because we're going to get deeper into this. So um, verse four. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Cool. All right. <laughs> so what does, what does Jesus say? Didn't he say, well, you know where I'm going? So he goes, he said, I'm going, and you know where I'm going, yeah? And Thomas is like, uh, no, we don't. Cool, right? So if Jesus said that to you, if Jesus said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to, um, in my father's house in many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So, you know, when I come back, I can, I can bring you to myself and we can be there, right? And then Jesus says, but you know where I'm going. Would you <laughs> be like, what? What do you mean? And this is why I mean, like, Thomas here is, is talking, but really the whole of the disciples are thinking, going. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Where are we going? John's looking at Peter. Peter's looking at Simon. Simon's looking at um, Jude, the other Judas. Jude, the other Judas is looking at um, Philip. They're all confused. Go, like, how well, did someone get a map? So Thomas um, picks up. How do we know way? Um, how do we know the way? Right? What does Jesus say? It says, "I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me." So he tells them, "I'm the way." Cool. First, and um, read verse seven as well. Okay, um, if you had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Cool. So let's deep this, right? Yeah, let's deep this, let's deep this. So, 
at the start of the chapter, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where, um, and once I've prepared that place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, where you may be also. Now, we take this to mean heaven, right? Yeah, we all yeah. Kind of understand that to be heaven. However, then it says, but where I go, um, you know, and you know the way to get there. So what is he saying? We know the way to heaven. We know the way to heaven. That's what he's saying. Or you know the way to heaven. You and and he's actually not saying you know where the way to heaven. You know the way to get to the place in which I'm preparing for you. Right. So that could that could have multiple meanings. Right. So we're gonna get there. Um. And then he's and then Thomas said, um, well, we don't know the way. And then he's, Jesus says, I'm the way. And so. What Jesus is trying to say, and it kind of sounds a bit cryptic, but what Jesus is trying to say is, yes, there is a heaven to come. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there is no heaven to come. There is a heaven to come. But this way that we're talking about, what is going to help them in their time of trouble they are about to experience and going forward into um, their ministry is almost like Jesus is saying, um, this heavenly place that I'm going to prepare for you, you can actually experience it pretty quickly. you can actually experience it very quickly. I am the way. So if you just follow me, like you're gonna be living the, um, the heavenly place before you get to the heavenly place. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah, cool. We're gonna, do, we're gonna get into that a bit more, right? Um, so, continues. It says, if we, um, verse seven, if you knew me, then you should have known the Father, and henceforth ye um, know him, and you have seen him. So verse 8. Someone can read, just verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Cool. All right, so Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes, um, like, no one comes to the Father but by me, and I'm showing you the Father. So, um, so follow me, essentially, and we'll get to this heavenly place. And Philip says, um, well, could you just show us the Father? So what is Philip really saying? So is he saying, I believe that you're the way to God, but I don't believe that you're God? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Because what the thing is, show us God. We're, we're almost there, Amber. In my mind, it's like, well, I'm going to completely bypass you, Jesus. I'm just going to go straight to the God instead. Okay, what, what you guys are missing um, is that Jesus is leaving. Right, Jesus is leaving. So now they're, in, they're now operating from a place of what are we going to do when Jesus is gone? So Jesus is saying, right, well, I'm leaving. And Philip is like, well, um, 
could you then give us the could the father come and um could could he like help could he be here in your stead we need someone here jesus if you understand we've been with you for three and a half years and we're still messed up so if you're leaving we're going to need something else right so if you're saying that you know you showed the father and all the rest of it then bring the father down here so that we can have the father here because we need something right Tyler, were you going to say something? I was, but you said it. Oh, okay, okay, cool. All right. So then Jesus said what to him? Verse 9. Verse 9. Jesus answered, do you not, do you know me, Philip? Do you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Awesome. All right. So here's, here's, the, here's what... Um, Here's what hit me hard. In fact, Nathan, you go ahead first. See what I I literally just wanted to point out that um, verse, verse, verse 10. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, verse 9 and verse 10. Jesus, Jesus literally just said this in verse 7. He says, if he had known me, he should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and I've seen him. So in that, he's he's saying exactly what he just repeated, which is, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Exactly, right? But this is what's mad, right? Because I hadn't fully clocked this until I started um, studying this chapter this week, right? So our, our, our thought of God that we described before, this um, holy, unapproachable, full of light, um, all the perfect characteristics, too good, too powerful, creator of everything, etc. right? That's God the Father, the judge, etc. That's God the Father. And so Philip asked him, oh, so if you're going, could we have God the Father down here in, in, as a man? Um, and what Jesus said to him is, what do you think I am? And so it hit me, if God the Father, the person we think is the holiest of holies, all the rest of it, came down as a man, he would live just as Jesus lived. He would do exactly the same thing as Jesus did. His words would be the same as Jesus's words. And so all that Jesus did was exactly as God would have done them because Jesus is God. And all he keeps on saying for the whole of John was, I do what my father tells me. I say what my father tells me. Um, I'm here on his behalf. I, I obey his commands. And so everything that Jesus does is like, is well, it's not even it's like, it is God coming down from heaven and being here on earth. And so the very thing that Philip is asking for is in front of him. The holy, the, the precious, the powerful, the creator, all of it is, is, is literally in the body of Jesus. It says, 
in Colossians, um, in Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Nathan, go ahead. Um, the only reason I wanted to jump in is I was just thinking of that, and it's like, are we are we making a mistake then when we sometimes we kind of like isolate the characteristics of God? And so, for instance, we'll say Jesus is creator and redeemer and Jesus loves us. And it's like, but God loves you, but he needed Jesus to kind of like sell you to him a little bit more so that he could love you properly. And obviously that's not the case because we see um, it's like, to, to quote the most popular verse in the, um, in, in the SDA Bible, uh, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world so that he gave his only son. And so sometimes it's just this idea that, this idea that we need to separate the characteristics of Jesus and that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, but we need Jesus to be on our side so that God can, God can love us is obviously inaccurate. Um, Jesus is definitely the way and the truth and the life. But this idea that God doesn't, didn't love you um, and needs Jesus to kind of like explain to him why he should love you is, is, is definitely, I think it's a little bit of a mistake. Mm. For sure. It's like God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it wasn't that, um, that, you know, Jesus then came and died and then God so loved the world. It's God so loved the world first. Like the plan was made because God so loved the world. And so, yeah, just as you're saying, Nathan, the idea that somehow God can only love us when Jesus has done what he's done or is in the way um, is not entirely true. Um, but yeah, so let's continue, right? Unless there are any other points. No? Okay, um, so verse uh, 11. We're going to get to the point where um, we get to the application for us, because I think at this point, we think we, we, we get what Philip is saying, but we're not in Philip's position because we haven't seen Jesus face to face, right? Um, and so Philip is there kind of like, well, we need a God face, to, like we need to see the Father then, bring us the Father. And it's like, well, you're looking at him um, in human form. This is what it would look like. And so we don't, we, we don't really know that experience because we haven't seen Jesus face to face. And so we're going to get to our application of this in a minute. But yeah, let's continue. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Awesome. Reiterating the previous point. Verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Awesome. Okay, who's had a problem with this text before? I have not, but I could. Because this <laughs> idea that someone could do greater works than Jesus, you're lying to me. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, uh, right? Doesn't make sense. 
it doesn't make sense. Jesus, it, just from John, we've read Jesus um, turned water into wine. He fed 5,000 people with two, um, 5,000 men, Lele, women and children, with two, two, five loaves of bread and two fish. He um, healed a blind man. He, um, he raised Lazarus from the dead three or four days after he had died. So how much greater, what, what are we talk about? What is greater than what Jesus has done? Let alone what we've read from the other gospels. He calmed the sea, like he literally spoke to the waves under the sea and said, like, relax. He was be walking on, he walked on water. He, he got Peter to walk on water. Like Jesus has done some madness, right? So what is he, how could Jesus then say greater things than, will you do than me? What is he saying? If I can just chime in, I think that he's he's literally saying that the sky is the limit with faith. You know, with faith, there is everything that you can do, um, obviously, in measure to your belief. I think that's correct. Don't get me wrong. I think 100% he's saying, he says, great. I think that would say, oh, you can do what I can do. Like Jesus, because I feel like Jesus's limit was unlimited in terms of his faith and what he could do, right? So what makes like why is my faith now able to do more than what Jesus could do? That's what I don't understand in terms of thinking that I can do greater things. I mean, yes, the disciples in Acts they had the Pentecost thing; they could speak in tongues. Um, is speaking in tongues better than raising a man from a death in three days? I don't know. You know, so what what is it that is when Jesus says greater things than you would do than me, what is he actually talking about? Because he can't just be saying, oh, you know what, um, you can do miracles too. I mean, because then he would be saying, you can do the same thing as me. Why is he saying greater? Um, because he's going away. Okay, and, so and what, what does that mean? It's, so we can imagine that if Jesus remained on the earth, we can imagine that Jesus would continue to do miracles. However, since Jesus, um, Jesus's ministry was what three years and a bit long, um, so yeah, it's only because of that that there's not, um, there's not. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that with time, we could do greater. Okay, okay. I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Anyone else want to chime in? No? Death science. Okay. Um, all right. This is what I feel like he's... Um, like why he says we, we can do greater. And um, I'm going along the same lines as Nathan. And this is last point. I believe Jesus is talking about greater in um, in scope, not greater in necessarily substance. And what, what I mean by that is we read in Acts that Peter preached and thousands were converted in a day. So when Jesus left, we're going to start reading about what was left, what, what came in his place. 
but thousands were converted in a day. Jesus didn't convert that many people in the whole of his ministry. So although the miracles that Jesus did were amazing, Jesus' ministry was not really about converting people. Although it was he did convert some people, many people weren't converted. And so Jesus' ministry wasn't necessarily building his church per se. Jesus' ministry was around living a perfect life, living an example, dying for our sins. Um, but it wasn't really about converting people like that. And so the greater things that we can do in terms of the Christian faith, we understand after um, Jesus died and we got the Holy Spirit, the biggest miracle that someone can have is a change of heart. And so the, the greater things is the fact that the message was getting spread much further. As Nathan said, more time you could do more work. Um, and so, you know, when we look at Paul, when we look at the disciples, Thomas himself, who's asking this question, is the one who evangelized to India. Um, you know, some went to Africa, some went to Asia, some went to Europe. The, the gospel went crazy. Right now, the Christian faith is probably the most popular faith on the planet between, I mean, it's between them and Muslim. And you can argue how many um, are true believers, but in Jesus' time, Christianity was really 12 people. We have to understand, maybe, if, maybe 70, including their extra followers. But when, um, when the Holy Spirit got involved and the disciples actually understood their mission and understood what Jesus was telling them here, greater things they did. We understand. Yeah? You guys got to give me some feedback. I'm just, I'm here in silence. Yes, makes sense. Yeah, cool. All right. So, let's continue. Um, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, uh, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Awesome. What does it mean to pray in Jesus or ask in Jesus' name? I think... Um... Well, at least this is kind of my own personal what it means to me is that we're asking it not necessarily on the behalf. That's not really the way I want to word it, but in light of what in light of what Jesus has done for us, kind of with, with his relationship that we have, that's kind of what I think it means. Cool, cool, cool. So in light of what he's done for us in terms of him dying on the cross. Yeah, like it's yeah. our ability to claim this prayer or pray this prayer. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Everyone else in agreement or is there anything else? Everyone is quiet today. So all of you don't say in Jesus' name when you pray. Ruben, go ahead. Sorry, Isra. Um, when it says that bit towards the end, 
that the father may be glorified in the son. It's almost like saying um, that they're aligned. Yeah. So it's almost like as good as asking. Um, what am I trying to say? It's almost like it's as good as asking Jesus for it if you ask God for it. So when we're, you know, um, I think it was Imo that said before, you know, think with your relationship with Jesus in mind. But it's this idea that, you know, if you do have that relationship with Jesus, then actually it's exactly the same as asking him. You know, if you've got a relationship where you recognize Jesus loves you, um, he wants your best. He's here to save you. He's done all of these things. You can go with that same confidence and that same, that, that exact same relationship to the father saying, please help me out. And it, it's, it's aligned. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, you guys, you you guys are, are right. The um, when we say in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers, understand that that's not generally what this is talking about. Although we refer to this when we say that, what we really mean by that is we pray um, along with the character and will of God or the character and will of Jesus, right? So, um, so it's almost like if you could say the end of your prayer, um, so God could be glorified. So if you think whatever you've prayed about, if you could say the end, so God could be glorified, that's what, that's what that is talking about. So for example, if you prayed for a TV, you said, I really need a TV so God could be glorified. Is that really something that could be glorified, like God is going to be glorified in? Versus if you prayed um, that, you know, someone come to Christ, for example, God could be glorified in that. And so I think that is the, um, the thrust of praying in Jesus's name. Right, and it says it right there in the verse. Anything, um, Anything you ask of me, I'll do that my father may be glorified. Yeah. So whenever we pray in Jesus' name, understand that it's is that deep. It's saying so that my so that God can be glorified. Whatever we're praying about should be for that purpose. Yeah. But there's a qualifier to this. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's a qualifier in verse 15. if you love me keep my commandments and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever awesome all right so if you love me keep my commandments let's deep that what is that saying Almost like if you want to show how much you care and that you're willing to serve me, keep the things that I've told you about. Cool. Simple. What does it also say? If I say, um, if you love me, keep my commandments, what is it also saying? What's I'll the pray the Father. Sorry, that part, like I was just thinking of what happens in the verse after. Like I'll pray the Father, and He'll send you a Comforter. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to okay. that. But in terms of the actual statement, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Right. What is the reverse of that statement, which could also be true? You'll keep my commandments if you love me. You'll keep my commandments if you love me. Cool. Right. We 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 jumbled up the sentence, but I mean, what is if, what am I going to do? Saying, is it saying if you don't keep my commandments, that means you're showing that you don't love me? Exactly. Right. So on one hand, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But on the other hand, if you don't love me, you're not going to keep the commandments. Yeah? And so how we um, act, how we behave, what we do, you know, reflects how we feel about God, how we view God, right? And so, um, and so our understanding of what we talked about earlier about... Um, Philip saying, show us, show us the Lord, show us the Father, right? We need someone here with us. We need someone that we can love here tangibly. Um, it's going to affect directly how we then obey his commandments. And so, as Imhotep said in verse 16, he will send us a comforter that he may abide with you forever, right? Verse, six, verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Awesome. So here's our um, application of the, of the question that Philip was asking. Um, have you ever thought to yourself, right, if only... Um, God could speak to me. If I could actually hear his voice audibly, I would believe, or that would do so much for my faith. Or have you ever asked the question, how come we don't see miracles like, like we saw um, during Moses' time or you know, any, any time during the, during the Old Testament? Ever thought that? Yep. Right? It's like, yeah. God, you're right there. Why can't you just spread open the sky and just say, I'm real? Or tell me what to do. I, I, I'm wondering whether I should do this or do that. Marry this person, marry that person. Get this job or not. Buy this house or not. Just speak to me. Just audibly just say yes or no. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And here's the answer. This is, this is the answer right here, right? What did what did what was Jesus's answer to Philip's question? Show us um, the Father that it sufficeth us, because that is what we're saying. We're saying we want it. We want it to suffice us. What does suffice us? To kind of satisfy the unbelief or the doubt. I think satisfy the unbelief or the doubt. Get like bring me along. I'm not quite there yet. I need this to kind of get me there. So um, so what we need. Um, Jesus, what we need um, now is uh, we need a big old miracle. We need to see the pillar of fire. Just show me one pillar of fire and me, I'll be a Christian and I'll be holy and I'll be great for the rest of my life. That's what we're saying, right? What does Jesus say in response? In response to Philip? Yeah. um, That um, God was to, God the Father was to come, he would do exactly as I have done. 
already because I was doing this through um yeah through him exactly everything that I've done right you've seen him have I been he said have I been with you so long um have I been I, I have been with you so long a time and you still don't know Philip have you not seen um he that has seen me has seen the father and how sayest them show us the father so he's like how are you gonna ask me show me the father we've been with each other this long and you still don't get it and so when we ask God, oh, why can't you just split open the sky? Who is the God that we can experience now? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right? The Comforter. So when we say God split open the sky, the Holy Spirit is like, woohoo, I'm over here. <laughs> hey, I'm the one, I'm the one that you're trying to experience. I'm right here. And in fact, it's not only saying I'm right here, like. I'm in the words. If you go to the word, I'm actually the one who wrote it. I wrote the text. It says, holy men um, wrote the text under the um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So not only did he write the text, but what does he do when you read the text? Helps you to understand. Helps you to understand, right? Helps you to understand. So not only did he write the text for you, he also interprets it for interprets it for you, interprets it for you, right? Um, so he wrote it, and he helps you under, understand it. And what does the text um, show us? God's will for us and His plan. True, hundred percent. But what does it show us in terms? So, in terms of what Jesus was was showing of um, when he was here, when he was talking to Philip, Jesus was showing who? Are you talking about the fact that like the text is showing us the Father? Exactly, and Jesus. So yeah, so like um, was it? Is it John five thirty nine, Matthew five thirty nine, or something like that? Search the scriptures because um, those are what you say yeah yeah. in them you think you have eternal life and they testify of me that's exactly. what the whole text is doing exactly yeah. and so in the same vein Philip would be like ah oh, show us the father then help us to get it like where's the miracle bring him down here so we can see him Jesus is like woohoo I'm here like this is it like you want to see the father look at me and the same vein, we same vein, we'd be like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know what, God, we need a miracle, you know. When we, we read all this in the text, but really, I I, I just want to see the the sky roll back, and I want to see, I want to hear God's voice audibly. The Holy Spirit is like, woohoo, like literally, this is what I'm doing for you. If you could just understand what I'm here for and tap into this thing that I have for you, and you could actually read the text with me, you would get what you're asking for. Um, can I say something? Yes. Um, someone, um, we were in this, uh, basically we've been talking about the fruits of the spirit and we were talking about gentleness the other day and, um, someone brought up the, um, gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And obviously you would hope that the Holy Spirit was gentle if gentleness is where we, uh, if we get gentleness from the Holy Spirit. But anyways, yeah. 
Yes, yeah. Um, and just in the same way that the Holy Spirit is gentle, like um, Jesus and God are gentle as well. And it's not like Jesus, even when he was here, was like, um, I am God because I know this about you, this about you. Here's how I can like prove it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like some next in your face or like um, thing like you had to to want to know to know and um, I can't remember what else I was going to say oh yeah and I also saw somewhere that um, if God did these things then belief wouldn't even like mean anything or like our love for God wouldn't even mean anything as well so like it's just like it's, it's not for no reason like it's not just to like frustrate you or anything like that um yeah exactly what would the need of faith be right uh amber go ahead i'm going off of what you said reese i feel like um when we read the word if but in the back of our minds we still expect that big miracle to happen like we still don't fully understand that the answer is in the word that we're reading. Yeah, for sure, exactly, right? Why am I raising my hand? Um, exactly right, right? And so we, um, as the disciples, fail to really grasp the power of having the Son of God with them and fully understanding who the Father is because of what Jesus was to them, the love that they felt from Jesus, the comfort, this whole, let not your heart be troubled, Peter, even though I know that you're about to deny me, don't worry, I got you. Like, you're still here, we're still having this conversation, I still love you. That is the same thing the father would do, or is doing. It's the same thing, it's the same character. And so when we see that through the inspiration of the spirit, it's the same thing. He's he's revealing the same thing, right? We if this if the Holy Spirit hadn't done what he had done, we wouldn't be reading the Bible right now. And if we were reading the Bible, we wouldn't understand it, right? So let me just read what Nathan put. He said, "How earnest would we be? Would we read the Bible if we thought of it as having the answers of everything we're struggling with?" That's exactly it. And so if we take the whole story of the chapter so far, the disciples are worried that Jesus is going. That Jesus is no longer going to be with them. And imagine you've had the God of heaven with you for three and a half years. You probably feel like there was going to be a bit of a gap. He's been your whole life. He has paid, like, he has caught you fish. He has been your... um, your your help in time of need. He's calmed your storm when there's been issues. He's um, he's even on an occasion paid your taxes. Jesus has been everything to you. He's even raised your friends from the dead. He's even healed your friends. He's even like Jesus has been everything to you over these past three and a half years. And now he said, "Yeah, but I'm going." And so, understandably, they're a bit cut up about it 
But Jesus is saying, don't you don't need to be cut out. Actually, if you knew where I was going, which we're about, I think we're about to be, let me not get too ahead of myself. If you knew what was about to happen, you'd actually be quite happy. Because the experience that you've had with me here, you're about to really, like, you'd, you've had three and a half years with me and you really don't get it yet. When I send the comforter and I'm saying, you know, I will not leave, like, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, is what verse 18 said. When you get this comforter, trust me, you're going to get it. The comforter can do more. His ministry is literally just saving souls. It is just converting people. Me, I had multiple things I was doing here right now. I was leading you guys. I'm trying to prepare you for ministry, but I'm also like, I've got my own like death and resurrection to do and think about. I've got all of these things that I came to come to do come to show the father i've come to do all of these things but the holy spirit is a job is to convert so trust me when i say you're going to get it and trust me you're going to do some great things and that is the time that we're in so really if you look at the back in the bible and you say oh i wish i was in moses day then i could have seen the um, pillar of fire or i wish i was in um the disciples day at least i could have spent time with jesus like to think at least I could have spent time with Jesus right now it doesn't make any sense if you're not in the word spending time with the Holy Spirit and therefore connecting with God that way because as accessible as they were they uh, they were to Jesus we are so much more accessible with the Holy Spirit verse 17 says um, for he dwelleth with you but he's going to dwell in you they didn't have Jesus in them. Jesus was a man who was standing in front of them. Yeah, they lived life with him, but he wasn't in them. And so really, any generation of earth that we've been through so far, really, right now should be the closest we've been to God. Hmm. Yeah, let's continue. Any other point before we... Um, I don't want to go over the time too much. We're nearly at the end-ish. Well, over halfway anyway. <laughs> I think I think he was responding to something said, not not what you just said, but like a couple of minutes ago. But Nate said something about um, imagine searching through the Bible and truly believing that it held the answers to the problems in your life. Like, you know, oh, I've got this person that's um, discriminating against me or, you know, giving me hassle at work. Yeah. Let me go look in the Bible. Um, I'm struggling to sleep. Let me go look in the Bible. Man, procrastination is beating me up. Let me go look in the Bible. And it's this idea that, you know, do we truly um, have that belief that something's going to happen, that we can access that power? Or is it just as, as you know, we know too well is it just the form of godliness yeah for sure for sure powerful okay so um let's continue verse 19 a little while longer and the world will see me no more but you will see me because i live you will live also at that day you'll know that i am in my father and you in me and i in you this is the text that starts um, to alleviate what we're talking about in terms of he said he's going to go create a mansion um, for us right 
and um you know where he will be where he is we will be also he is now saying um like me and my father are going to be with each other and with you now when the comforter comes you'll be able to get this this mansion experience now yeah the mansions will come don't worry you know heaven's going to get there don't, don't get me wrong you know heaven's going to be great but understand the 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 peace that you can get because he's saying let not your heart be troubled and we're going to talk about peace in a minute the comforter again is comforting you is helping you to have peace that's the same thing that you can have now. It's not just a future thing. He wants, you know, father in me, me and you now. But yeah, um, 20, verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Sure. Great. That's when you see. Judas, uh, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So I like how John says Judas, but not the Iscariot. <laughs> but yeah, Judas obviously is gone by this point, as we read um, last week. But yeah, how will you not manifest yourself to the world? Like, why is it just us that you're sharing this with? Like, surely everyone's going to need this. Jesus answers 23. Can I just come in quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's really interesting to see that verse that Tyler just wrote. Um, that Tyler just read, because at the at the end of it it says, "He that love, um, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him." And that's interesting. It's like so it's saying those that love God, those that actively love God, you know, in in thought and in action, those will be the people that can see God. And it's interesting because the question that comes up is. Why is God, you know, it, it's just these guys. God's not manifesting himself to the world. And if God manifests himself, himself to the world, then everyone would believe on him because we know there is a God. So this idea that having faith and having that belief is a part of God's journey that he wants us to undertake rather than just, bam, you know, appearing to us as God and us not being able to say anything because we've seen God it's like yeah. um so so for instance i don't know if it was i can't remember who was saying earlier i think it was maz she was saying that for all the people jesus was in your face about him being the christ but for all the people that wanted to know he would reveal to them and it's really interesting to see the language that is used in this chapter so yeah i just wanted to show that for sure, for sure, for sure. And literally what you said is, is going to be here in verse 23. It is answer 24. Um, uh, is that your hand from before, Ruben? I assume. Um, no, I just wanted to add one thing, actually. The same verse that Nathan just used. Um, it's something that we accept 
I can't remember what the verse is, but there's this one that says, um, if Jesus is talking about his relationship with God and he turns around and says, God loves me more because I lay down my life for you guys. Yeah. Because I was willing to sacrifice. And that same verse that you guys were talking about there says a similar thing, but it says it about us, that he loves us more because we actually, if we choose to love Jesus, then he actually loves us even more as well. Yeah. Oh, that's what it makes it sound like as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that um that he's talking about is also the steps to Christ. Um, when he talks about the love of God, and that's always um boggled my mind. The fact that he says, "I I love Jesus even more that He came to save you." That's how much I love you. That the fact that He came to save you, I love Him even more. Like, yeah, that's always. Um, but yeah, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Awesome. And here, again, we see a parallel with the start of the chapter, right? He says, if a man love me and he keep my words, again, if you love me, keep my commandments, um, and my father will love him, and he will come um, unto him and make abode with him, right? That's the same, that's the same um, language that is referred to at the start of the chapter when it says, in my house there are many mansions. And so there's this, again, this parallel of don't think that you need to somehow look forward to this thing that is happening in the heaven to come. Like, if you love God, God loves you, you keep his commandments, that heavenly home is, is that peace that you can have is right here for you right now. To, without whatever is going on in the world, you can have it right here, right now. But if you don't keep it, then... Um, you know, you, they're, they're not going to hear. So ultimately, you have this these two groups. You have these two options, and we've all you know. There's no middle ground when it comes to God. You know, they um, who is it that asks? Judas asks. Well, why can't the whole world have it? And Jesus' simple answer is because they don't they don't want it. They don't listen. They don't accept it. Um, and because they don't listen and do. They don't keep my commandments. They don't love me. They won't get this aboding. They won't get the comforter. They won't get um, to have this mansion um, that I'm offering. And that's why it's not going to the world, right? Um, yeah, I was going to break that down, actually. But can I just, um, like, confirm? Yeah. Uh, so... Like, if I was to read, like, if anyone, so verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. Like, that would give me the impression that, um, like, as a sinner and, like, before coming to Christ, that God didn't love me. But are you saying um, in order for God to love you, you need to accept that love and you need to want it? Is that, like, the, the difference then? 
yes, God's love is unconditional, so we know that. But I think this, what this is talking about is specifically relationship. So God can love you um, like uh, one directionally, as he does to all of us. Um, but when you start to get into a relationship with God, the love becomes different. Like how you may see um, the relationship between Abraham and God or Moses and God, so much so that God can say, no, nah, I missed Moses. Um, so actually I'm going to take him back from the grave and he's going to come to heaven with me. Um, me and, you know, walked so closely together that it didn't make sense for him to be on, the, on, on earth anymore. Now God loves everyone so much so that he wants that for everyone. He, he, would, he would love to rapture up everyone. But ultimately, that relationship that he and Enoch had, he and Moses had, he and Abraham had, him and Jesus had, him and, you know, Paul had, etc., um, can only happen if there is a two-way road. And so, um, yes, he, he, love, he loves sinners, hates the sin, etc., but there's a relationship that you can't, that you can't have with them unless they accept him. That makes sense? Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, any other questions or we can, we can keep moving? Yeah, okay. Um, verse 25. 25. All this I've spoken while with you, but advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I love with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away. I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's stop there. Yeah, so um, as I was saying before, um, and it will continue as we go through chapter 15, chapter 16, but, um, but Jesus' whole thing right now is trying to prepare him for him, him going in two senses, not only him going um, to the cross and to the grave, but also going to continue his ministry in heaven. And so he's trying to help this to understand that, yes, I get it. Like we've had a great time together over these last three and a half years, but don't think that somehow these three and a half years, if these three and a half years ended now, actually, I'm not sure the disciples really ever really got it, to be quite honest. Um, and if Jesus just left and the Holy Spirit didn't come, they didn't have the upper room experience, who knows where they would be? You know, doubtful they would have wrote these books. Doubtful that anything, any, the Christian church would have happened. And so the, the importance of the Holy Spirit coming is, so, is such of a large magnitude to post um, John that, you know, as Jesus says himself, if you understood that, you know, me leaving meant the Holy Spirit coming, yeah, you'd be sad for me leaving, but really you'd be pretty happy. You'd rejoice, in fact, that you get to have the Holy Spirit coming. 
that's how much of a difference the Holy Spirit is going to make compared to what I've been able to do with you. Because as a man, I can only do so much. But when I go to my father, boy, then you're gonna, then you're gonna really get it. Yeah, and he'll bring back all of these things. Everything that I've told you right now, you're gonna remember, and it's gonna smack you in the mouth. It's gonna be like, oh, that's what he meant. Oh, right, okay. So, oh, three years ago when Jesus said that, right, I get it. Like that's all gonna happen when the Holy Spirit comes. So really, like, have peace, like rejoice, be happy. It's calm. But obviously, they didn't quite get what he was saying. And so, you know, they, they didn't have that response until later. Um, so, yeah, 29. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. And so, yeah, that is the end of chapter 14. And um, Jesus ends by saying, look, like, I'm not going to really be able to say much more to you. And really these last couple of chapters is really it. Um, And yeah, we'll have a little time after I resurrect, but this is really it like up until that point and so um please just heed my voice like please understand that things will be okay things will be okay and he's saying the same to us when we're in bad situations when we're um when we can't see god as much as we want to when we feel sin is in our life too much or whatever the case is um there's always there's always a way to reach out and actually be like you know what the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, to show us the word, to show us God's um, voice, to point us in the right direction. Um, and yeah, so much so for us not to, to harden our hearts and, and um, you know, commit the unpardonable sin grief the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Um, any other questions or, or comments or points before we close? Okay. Um, Maz, could you pray quickly? Yes. Let's pray, guys. Holy Father, thank you so much for um, your words today. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, thank you for um, the gathering today and everything that was shared. Um, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we may able that we're able to experience the same joy, and if not greater joy, that the disciples experienced when they spent their time with you. Um, I thank you for everything that you have done for us, Lord. I thank you for how um, you have loved us and how you do love us. Um, and I pray that you help us to. Um, keep your commandments lord for we do love you and um i pray that you continue to bless us on this sabbath day and um for the rest of the week um in the name of jesus i pray lord <laughs> so that you may be glorified amen. 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 amen 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 thank you guys for that
Thank you, guys. I just wanted to ask very quickly. So the topic of the Holy Spirit came up. I mean, like the last, the last few minutes. Um, and do we, for, from our understanding, it's fair to say that the Holy Spirit being inside of you is not a feeling. You know, the Holy Spirit is an external um, force, as he is God. It's an external force that can inhabit us. So is there kind of like a specific way to know when the Spirit is speaking to you? Or at least when the Spirit is manifesting? Yeah. Because, the re- the, sorry, the reason that came up, if I can just explain, is because so many of us kind of like do this thing and we, we have a feeling. <laughs> But God is not a feeling. And, I, and I'm not saying that to say that God can never manifest in that way. I'm just, I guess, what's coming up is just this thing. Of, so that we're not moved by our feelings. How does that um, translate? Imagine you sounded like you had that addition. Yeah, so, so literally, like, this is what I love about Galatians 5. I think, is it 22? Maybe 22 to 23. Talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Because... Um, when it talks about the fruits of the spirit, it's not like try and do these things and then, you know, the spirit. It's literally like this is how you know. Like these, this is the indications, this is the signs that the Holy Spirit is working within you. And if you're not like showing these things, then you need to go back to the drawing board, talk to God and find out what's going on, you know? So um things like gentleness um joy peace that's that's literally how you know um yeah does that answer your question or are you still a bit like you know what that's, that, that actually really does that's my question i can um, i can talk more later if you want no i literally think that for the purpose of why we're asking that is really good. Um, and I think I think it's just for us to be encouraged because even when we feel like we don't love God, so for instance, um, you know, sometimes you might wake up on Sabbath morning and we don't necessarily feel the pick we close to God, but we give thanks that God has actually showed us through his word and in the past that love is not a feeling but an action. Mm. And therefore... <laughs> Therefore, it gives us actually so much more hope because it's not about how we feel, but it's about what we do and what we kind of allow ourselves to do. But yeah, thank you guys for indulging me in the last few minutes. <laughs> it's been a blessed That's session. Sure. Um, the only thing I would add to what Matt said, um, and it's really a, a small point um, because what she said is spot on, um, is... The text says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And so, um, to how to know that the Holy Spirit is in you, is you will start to um, have the character of God, essentially. And that's kind of what Maz is saying, um, in terms of the fruits of the Spirit, um, you will end up being like Jesus. I mean, that is the whole point, the more the Holy Spirit lives in you, the more God lives in you, the more you'll be more like him. And so, um, yeah, I don't believe there is a specific feeling. It's not like um, 
like you know it's like having a shower and water is like flooded over you and it feels like something's just gone inside of you it's um by your fruits you shall know um but yeah Thank you, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Peace. 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 Pe